0: Welcome everyone to one of our BJJ podcasts for the month of August. I am Andrew Duckworth and a warm welcome from your team here at the Bone and Joint Journal. As always, we'd like to start by thanking all of you for your continued comments and support, as well as a big thanks to our many authors and colleagues who've taken part so far. For the study we're discussing today, as you know, over the next 15 to 20 minutes or so, we'll cover a range of aspects for the chosen work, emphasising the important points of how the study's been put together, as well as the key findings from the data and how these potentially fit into each of your day-to-day clinical practices. We also hope to give you a behind-the-scenes insight into how the authors have come about the study and developed the study, and give them an opportunity to put forward the key findings of their work. So today I have the pleasure of being joined firstly by Mr Nick Johnson, who is a consultant hand surgeon at the Paul Hand Centre in Derbury, an honorary senior lecturer in the University of Leicester. Welcome Nick, it's great to have you back with us today. Thank you very much. Nick is joined by his co-author, who really needs no introduction, it's Professor Joe Dias, who is the Professor of Orthopaedic Surgery in Leicester, and who is a real goliath in the area of scaphoid fracture research, which we're discussing today, amongst other things. Joe, it's great to have you back with us today, I really t- appreciate the time.
1: Thanks for asking me, Andy.
0: Nick and Joe are here to discuss their study entitled The One-Year Outcome of Surgery Compared with Immobilization in a CAS for Adults with an Undisplaced or Displaced Scaphoid Fracture, a Meta-Analysis of Randomized Controlled Trials, which has been published in the August edition of the BDJ. And the aim of this study was to conduct a meta-analysis to evaluate up-to-date evidence from randomized controlled trials in order to compare the effectiveness of the two treatment strategies for undisplaced fractures or minimally displaced fractures, which is 2 mm displacement or less. So Nick, maybe you could start up and give us a brief introduction to the study and also maybe some background to some of the current literature in the area, maybe some of the RCTs that that are going to be included in the study. Thanks, Andy.
2: Yeah, so as you just mentioned, we wanted to conduct an up-to-date evaluation of the evidence. As I'm sure everybody knows, there's been lots of papers comparing operative and non-operative treatment of scaphoid fractures with, with varying results, but also The SWIFT study has recently come out, which is the the largest, the best RCT in this field. So we wanted to look at that evidence altogether and see how that changed things. As I mentioned previously, there had been quite a lot of work looking at the subject. And we had seven randomised controlled trials that we identified and included in our study. Most of them, they were quite small and the results were varied and the, the quality varied as well. So, you know, we wanted to look at that in more detail with the added robust evidence from SWIFT. There had also been, there's at least four systematic reviews and meta-analyses looking at the subject. And again, as the evidence before was fairly poor, most of the conclusions were it's difficult to give a a strong answer, really, because of the quality of that evidence. Some studies had suggested some better functional outcome. Others couldn't establish any difference, while some had said there's faster recovery with surgical treatment. So, yeah, we wanted to re-evaluate the evidence in the context of SWIFT.
0: Yeah, I think that's a nice overview of what of what they all showed up until maybe Swift. And like you say, Swift is so much bigger than the the other studies that are out there. And Joe, that maybe is a good time for me to come to you and say, you know, obviously the Swift trial was published in the Lancet. I think it was a year or so ago now. And although, although I'm sure many of our listeners will be already aware of its findings and what it says, would you mind just maybe giving a brief synopsis of what Swift showed and and so and, and what it found and some maybe important caveats about how they were treated in both arms.
1: The- SWIFT study is an NIHR study in the UK, and uh, we compared the management of acute bicortical clear scapoid fractures, including all fractures with space less than two millimeters. Um, And we randomized them into either having surgical fixation of the fracture and 219 were allocated to this group and 220 were allocated to have a cast, it was predominantly of the low elbow cast without the thumb included, I think that's pretty important for that. But that pathway of the non-operative pathway was not just using a cast, it was the care pathway which is you continue to look after them and at six weeks if there was any concern about the state of union, that was confirmed on a CT. And if a non-union was confirmed, then those patients were offered surgery straight away. So those were the two groups that we had and we reported on the one-year results. And the main summary findings were that for pain and function, there was no difference between the two. For return to work, those that were fixed with a screw returned to work at around 17 days after their surgery compared to 18 days if they were treated in a cast, which meant that a large proportion of those that were treated in a cast returned to work when still in a cast and that was the advantage. And the healing, the union rate was only a 2% difference. Yeah. You no, know, it was 96% compared to 98%. Okay. The complications between the two groups was different. So significant complications that left an aftermath of stiffness, of nerve numbness or something like that. It was about 12% after surgery compared to 2% on the non-operative. We also did the cost-effectiveness and qualitative work, but I think this is the important bit Yeah. No, absolutely,
0: to define. No, absolutely, John. That's an amazing synopsis. And I think, like you say, highlighting that early intervention, the non-operative arm, if they're going on to a non-union, is really key. And I think, like you say, with the return to work, that is certainly something which I, I thought was interesting compared to some of the previous studies which have really advocated that early return to work, but obviously SWIFT didn't show that. I and mean, I think that's a really important finding, isn't it? So if we move on to the study design uh Guys, yeah, this was a prospectively registered systematic review with meta-analysis that was carried out according to the PRISMA guidelines. So Nick, if you could maybe just give us a brief overview of the inclusion criteria for the studies, which ones were included and which were not?
2: Yeah, so we only included randomised controlled trials in adults. And similar to the SWIFT trial, we were comparing surgical fixation of any, th- of any sort. So it could be percutaneous, open, retrograde, anti with non-operative treatment in a cast but with early fixation and the type of fractures were scaphoid fractures with less than or equal to two millimeters displacement.
0: Yeah absolutely and and it was the RCTs that you were you were looking at wasn't it that's right and in terms yeah. of the, the primary outcomes you looked at what, what were those and, and I suppose any sort of uh, any secondary outcomes that you could look at with the data you had?
2: Yeah the, pr- the primary outcome was functional outcome at 12 months so on a pa- patient rated outcome measure and we use reverse scoring if necessary, change the polarity uh, mm-hmm. to give that as a percentage so we could compare different scoring methods. Yeah. Secondary data that we looked at, we looked at grip strength, range of motion, complications yeah. and non-union
0: yeah absolutely and i think that, 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 that the non-union one we can obviously come on to about how that was looked at but in and in terms of the sort of analyses you sort of did a variety of analysis there all that you see in the metal answers random versus missed effects but just gives a brief overview of what, what what you did and why nick
2: yeah well initially and in the protocol we plan to do a fixed effects yeah. analysis but of course when we were we looking at the the data there's quite a lot of clinical heterogeneity mm. you know in the, the surgical approach the type of fracture the the pattern of the, the fracture so we were concerned that there was heterogeneity so maybe random effects is more appropriate yeah so in the end what we did we we did both and presented both and it was quite interesting there was hardly any difference at all between them it was just one outcome at one time point that had a difference
0: yeah I thought that was interesting as well like, actually but I think it was quite nice to the way you've presented them both in the study and the comparative it's, it's very clear with the, with the forest plots. It's a nice it's a nice thing to see for, and I encourage our, list, our listeners to go and see those. So if we move on to the results, like you say, there were eventually seven RCTs, you know, there were over 360 studies screened, full text 15 and then you got down to seven RCTs and with sample sizes ranging from 25 to obviously SWIFT, which was 439 and the mean age of the patients was 30 years and 83% were male, which is very consistent with the, the scale of fractures we often see, we all see. And Nick, so what did you find in terms of firstly the quality of the studies including the analysis?
2: Yeah, I think the first thing to say is we assess risk of bias using the the Cochrane tool, yeah. and quality using the GRADE method. And what we did was there was myself and another co-author, Ewan Sterling, who's a trainee in Oxford. Neither of us were part of the SWIFT team, so we we analysed that data. So we were completely separate because all the other authors co-authors are part of the SWIFT team. Yeah, and. What we found was, well, was seven studies included, three were high quality, four were low quality. Mm. As I mentioned before, you know, a lot of the older RCTs are quite small numbers. Yeah. And we, we did find some the Clementson paper, we thought had some bias in it because what they did was they scoped all the patients yeah. initially who were having surgery and they took out those with a scaphalumate ligament injury. Uh, so, so that scored as a potential high bias.
0: No, absolutely. And I think like the same table one, it's very clearly laid out. You're looking at risk of bias for function and union, which are the key outcomes. And that sort of leads on to so what you, what you found. So what did you find in terms of the parietary out, outcome, which was like the patient reported outcome, really, or function at 12 months?
2: Yeah, so at 12 months, there was no difference between operative or non-optive fixation. There was some heterogeneity, in that analysis but the results were exactly the same for the fixed and random effects and it was actually the same at six months as well.
0: Yeah absolutely and in terms of the secondary outcomes you know things like pain, range of movement, grip strength and and maybe if we focus a bit on complications and non-union what did you see there?
2: Yeah so pain was no difference at either time point. Range of motion and grip actually did have a significant difference at six months but not at 12 months but when you actually look at how much the difference was it was a really small effect size yeah so it wasn't much at all i think it was 5% and 6% yeah. uh, something like that so whether that's clinically significant you know yeah. potentially not uh, the other thing to think about is this the 6 months time point we actually had some studies that we included that the data was collected actually quite a bit earlier than that 16 oh. weeks mm. so we kind of regrouped it it was the nearest time point around 6 months so yeah. There would be some patients that really hadn't been out of the cast for very long at all. So that may have influenced those results. Yeah, Non-union, the early non-union did favour surgical fixation. But again, it was very small difference. And yeah. at 12, 12 months following the pathway of fixing them, if there are concerns about union, there was no difference.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and no, I think that's right. And then, like you say, with those differences, you do see with maybe the the the, the secondary outcomes, there they maybe are a significant difference, but actually. Whether they're clinically significant is probably very, very doubtful, I agree. So if we sort of put all that into context, yeah, that's a really nice overview of, of, of the results of the study and I think very, really clear. And, it, you know, it's the strengths of the, the, the work is really clear to me. You know, perspective set up, very sound analysis performed. It uses the latest evidence and robust methodology to really provide some very useful information, I think, and draw all that data together that we have out there. And, you know, the study has found no difference at one year in functional outcome for these undisplaced or misplaced scaphoid waist fractures, and we should emphasise, are weight factors that the the, the studies looked at and whether they're treated with surgery or not with a complication rate that obviously would be higher slightly higher in surgery and and i think very importantly also is to highlight sort of that although the rate of non-union was higher after non-treatment it it, it actually has a very low risk overall of occurring at one year so joe if i came back to you what do you feel are the key messages you know was there anything that surprised you about the data and i suppose what do you feel the limitations of the data are out there despite all
1: i think that overall the messages are consistent. There have been an odd number of uh, systematic reviews of the same number of studies, and they all come with slightly different flavors mm-hmm. depending on how you extract the data. So we were very meticulous. You know, we mitigated all the biases by having independent reviewers in know that. But, but like all systematic reviews, particularly in our specialty, trauma and orthopedics. We are dependent upon very low numbers mm-hmm. and therefore becoming meticulous in how we do it is an important way it. But we need to recognize that there is a whole number of limitations. In this systematic review, there is a problem and, and the problem is that we are synthesizing data where patients were recruited in the 1990s. Yeah. It's a 30 years hand and the way we address and advise patients in that time has changed. I'll give you one example. The casts that we use for the non-operative arms are hugely different. One of the studies used an above-elbow cast with the thumb included and yeah. that is hugely disabling. Yeah. Even a scaphoid cast is disabling. So the, the different casts that we use change the impact on, on the patient and therefore would translate to different functional outcomes Particularly at the early time points.
0: Hmm.
1: The, the other thing that was a limitation in all this is the ways that we identify union or non union, which is most of the studies, apart from Clemenson and our, the Swift study, identified the state of union on x-rays. Yeah. And we know that radiographs are less good than CT. Mm-hmm. So again, trying to synthesize data from radiographic assessment of union versus CT assessment of union, it creates, it creates a lot of variation. The advice that we give our patients is complete. Now the advice is use your hand as much as possible, mm-hmm. avoid wrist movement, because it's wrist movement that will cause mobility at the fracture All that has changed and all those created limitations in how we synthesize data. The other thing about most of these studies that we synthesize is that they do not tell us what happens in the long term. Yeah. So the long-term consequences, particularly with regard to arthritis or penetration, or function or yeah. impacts of injury. And we don't know any of those. Mm-hmm. And the really important difference, you know, some of them, like the screen paper from, use different definitions of return to work that some of the others use. So therefore came up with Huge impacts yeah. we were reporting compared to the SWIFT study, which was just a day difference. Yeah, and I think all those need to be borne in mind that at the end of the day, this synthesis involves also imputation and adjustment of data in order to put it all together. And I think all those are limitations of synthesizing
0: data. Yeah, no, absolutely, and That's a really nice way to put that all into, into context. And actually, I think appreciating that that change, like you say, it's over a 30-plus year period and how our practice has changed, particularly in the non-octave side, like you say, and the ability to get back to work if your thumb is immobilised is very different than, it, than if it's not, as you say. Nick, if I just maybe come back to you briefly, You know, in, in terms of how you feel these findings fit with the current literature, is there anything you would want to add to that at all?
2: I mean, I think you've both mentioned it just now really i think this is a a robust study which just adds and confirms to the the current literature mainly swift really i think it's pretty clear from swift and now this that there's no functional difference in outcome at 12 months and complication rates serious complication rate is higher with surgery which is what what we'd expect
0: no, absolutely. And, and, and Joe, if I could come back to you, with you mentioned about the non-union data. Is, is that sort of what you, you would recommend now, is that when the, if you are going along that, I suppose, any arm, but the non arm in particular, if you reach that six-week point and you have any concerns, straight to a CT scan to confirm union and intervene early, is that what you would recommend?
1: Absolutely. If you got any doubt about the state of union, and the doubt could just be that there's a faint simmetry across. Yeah. And resolve that doubt? Yeah. And uh, and that was the failing of some of our earlier studies where we classified as a non-union, which subsequently proved to be a partial union. Yeah. Yeah. And the studies that were in the first decade of the two thousands, New that. So we don't know whether they were reporting partial union or non-union. yeah, absolutely. So, But the recommendation is very clear. You, you resolve the doubt and they fall into just two groups. It is joining, in which case you continue to protect the risk but restore function. Or it is not joining, in which case you go and you fix it.
0: You intervene, yeah,
1: absolutely. at less than 10% of all the people.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And... Maybe just to f- finish off, I'll, I'll maybe ask you both the question. Maybe slightly controversial. So, do you offer percutaneous fixation now? I'll maybe start go to you, Joe first. Do you offer percutaneous fixation to any patients acutely now?
1: I think I think fixation is a tool in our in our armoury, okay. trauma surgeons, and, and when we are faced with a situation where fixation will give us an important and clearly identified benefit, yeah, do fix. So it isn't about not fixing. Yeah. It's about using the tools that we have. Let me just give you three examples where we could consider immediate day one decide uh, that fixation is appropriate. Mm. So all these examples are uncommon. Mm. So the first is if you've got a trans perilunate distribution and there's a complete, completely unstable proximal carpal row, mm. fixing it changes. Stability early, mm-hmm. there is a clear identified benefit. The second, is a sort of a relative indication, is when there are multiple associated fractures, for instance, a shattered, shortened distal radius uh, fracture that you're fixing, and you also have a scaphoid fracture. Yeah. Then fixing the scaphoid fracture there would make complete sense. You are there in any case and uh, the risks that you're exposing the patient to, the patient is being exposed to in any event. Yeah. So then it uh, becomes logical. And then the third group is fractures that are displaced over two millimeters. Okay. So there's no evidence that you fix them or you don't fix them, but the logic would dictate that these are going to be displaced and more more unstable injuries. And although they account for only around four to five mm.
2: percent
1: proportion of the people fractures, that would be the other group that you might consider whether or not to fix and have a more detailed conversation with the patient with the patient yeah, yeah.
0: That's, a, that's a really nice way to think about those three, those three guys anything you'd add to that at all, Nick, in terms of your practice? but they still couldn't you know use their
2: wrist for heavy activities or anything because the mm. bones not healed
0: Oh now ch- if you've changed at all.
2: Apart from those three mentioned would be if there was somebody who just absolutely was not allowed to work with a cast on, you know, if they, they just had to not be, be wearing a cast and they understood the risks and were happy to take that risk of higher complications, then possibly. But from the literature recently, that, that seems to be a very rare scenario nowadays.
0: No, I agree. I suppose the only potential scenario is a well one more scenario is an orthopedic surgeon who can't score, but that's that's a controversial one. But anyway, no guys that, that thank you so much. That was absolutely brilliant and, and, and it was really great for you both to take the time to join us and congratulations on a on another outstanding study in this area and I think without doubt adds substantially to the literature in, and it was it was great to have you both with us. And to our listeners we do hope you've enjoyed joining us and we encourage you to share your thoughts and comments through social media and the like. Feel free to tweet or post about anything we've just heard today and thanks again for joining us. Take care, everyone.